Hello and welcome back to Off The Water, the podcast for the national governing body of sailing, windsurfing and recreational boating across Scotland. I'm Mark. I'm here with two of my colleagues, uh, Robin and Robin. How are you lovely folks? We're all good. I'm good. Yeah, doing well here in sunny Aberdeen. It's been a while since taking to the airwaves, so I'm uh, set to introduce some of our plans for the season and find out what's been happening. So, uh, Robin Nicol, what's happening with you? Uh, well, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a busy year. Um, moved into coach education. I've been working with Robin Phillips for the last 12 months, just over. Um, we've had a great time. It's been, uh, been exciting, fast moving. Lots and lots of stuff going on. Um, developing new instructors, new trainers, new tutors. Yeah, we've had the, the whole whole sort of thing going on. It's been uh, very exciting. With everything that's going on at Our Way Scotland over the last wee while, um, I've been offered the opportunity to get involved with the performance programme. So uh, as of basically the, uh, next week, um, the 1st of April, I uh, jump over to that for a, for a period of time. And Robin Phillips, what have you been up to? Well, obviously now in the middle of uh, kind of handing over and, and stepping up into other Robins kind of old role and it's a pretty busy time of year for that to be happening we've had most of our regional instructor training days happening the last couple of weekends at Loch Abba, Castle Semple, Port Edgar and Loch Inch and um, we've got a joint big windsurf and dinghy SI course coming on and obviously Easter brings the start of lots of our instructor course trainings in all the disciplines as well so it's all in all pretty full-on. Yeah, it does sound it. And, and you know, it's really good that we're kind of expanding our team. Yeah, we have Finlow coming in in May. So little interview coming up will give us a little idea about some of his thoughts and motivations. Yeah, in addition to that, we've also got uh, lots of opportunities for, for uh, people, some of our listeners to potentially come and join us here at RI Scotland. Uh, so go and check out. Let's find us on social media. We've got uh, lots of opportunities to for some employment work, some coaching. Yeah, just get in touch and we can tell you all about it. Hello, I'm here today with uh, Finlow Cotier, who is about to come and join RYA Scotland as our new CEO. Hello there, Mark. Hiya. Thanks very much for joining me. How did you get involved in boating when you first started out? Well, I didn't really have much choice about getting involved in boating. I grew up on the Isle of Man. I was a very small child when I went to the Isle of Man. My father bought a boat, a little silhouette, and aged probably one I got taken on board and I've been on boats ever since. So we we um, we had a house down in Port St Mary in the south of the Isle of Man and lots of boats, lots of yachts, lots of dinghies. There was the, the lifeboat was there. The village was full of master mariners and it was just a very, very maritime environment to grow up in. And we were pretty feral kids. You know, we were just chasing around beaches and harbours and mucking around with boats and this that and the other so yes from a very very early age it's been it's been boats and the Isle of Man you're either into boats or motorbikes and it was it was definitely boats for our family. Yeah the 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 TT has got a famed reputation for the island but of course it is an island it's a a very maritime place you got any favorite memories of that time? Favorite memories in the Isle of Man? Uh, oh, it's, it's full of memories um it, uh, what what about what would I, I, yeah, I remember. Um, I remember being thoroughly uh, uh, scared and annoyed and wet and cold um, in one race in a topper, and you know, just trying to sail downwind and just kept jibing all the time and uh, capsizing in the water, swimming, got towed in. That's it. Never going to sail again. Um, so that was that was certainly a memory. Um, but yeah, there are lots of uh, lots of great sort of 
coastal sailing and so we, we often uh, went across to Wales or Ireland and, and so making making landfall on the Isle of Man and uh, you know sort of recognizing the cliffs and the hills from a distance uh, and my dad had a, a, a game of you know to try and avoid the kids getting sick was you know 50p for the first child to see the land and so it would kept keep us in the cockpit staring out to sea you know and uh, trying to trying to spot the first first glimpse of a of a headland so yeah that was uh, lots of good memories lots of good memories i do remember being rafted up you know outside maybe four or five fishing boats and then six or seven yachts and everyone's got you know lines and shorelines and this and that and being taught to walk around the foredeck and not through the cockpit, and then, you know, uh, and then getting re rewatering the boat with little plastic containers, lifting them up and down ladders on bits of rope and all all kinds of things, and oh, it was just such hard work. But yeah, that was just how it was. That's just how it was. You know, boats rafted up, and uh, and it was usually the the inside boat at three in the morning wanted to leave, and there'd be people dancing around in in pajamas and, and whatnot and you know un, untying robes and kids getting in the way and all sorts of stuff so yeah that that was uh, i remember very very busy crowded harbors you paint a very social picture uh, and I, i'm kind of aware of some of those memories but i guess some of those go through like the topper incident uh, of thinking you might never go afloat again or <laughs> or that person that leaves at 3 a.m mm-hmm. What kept motivating you to get back and keep involved with it? Who are the kind of people I, that I, I, I have no, I, I have no idea actually. I mean, part of it was family holidays. You know, my, my my parents were both both teaching, and they had you know some some weeks off in the summer, and and it was a case of you know school finished, and we got onto the boat, and off we went. And you kind of didn't have a choice, to be honest. Um, off we went, and um, there were times where even even the, the the thought of going on the boat made me feel a bit queasy, um, and. I just I just got taken along and and you just you just learned and you you, you pick things up and you you sort of figure out the way to do it. And my my dad I, I remember my dad going through the RYA uh, coastal skipper and yacht master schemes through night school classes in the 1970s. Um, you know, so he he sort of came through that uh, training tradition. And uh, I remember sort of you know and he used to take me out on the beach with his sextant. You know, he was doing the the ocean yacht master course and you know filling in the the the, uh, the site reduction tables and all this kind of thing and just trying to work out well we knew where we were we were on the beach you know but we soon knew exactly where we were but whether the position that was calculated was anywhere close to that beach that was a different matter but yeah he went through the the uh the rya uh, schemes back then and my mum did as well and um you know so he was he was very diligent about doing things the correct way doing things the correct way practically and navigationally um so i i think i had a good teacher for my father i think it's probably because we were surrounded by professional mariners and he wanted to be known and seen to be very competent so uh, you know the rya training got him off to a good good start there and then i i, I went off to college um, in, in in england and uh i i finished um i finished that by having a period of time in malta i got myself a, a job working at a float uh on a little square rigged vessel uh in in, in malta and um there was a you know work with a bunch of lads there and, and some of them had rya tickets and you know, and I, I thought actually I know I know a lot of stuff. I've, I've learned a lot of stuff, and uh, I, I, I quite fancy sort of formalising that, going through the formal training. So, so when I got back to the UK, I then I then signed up for night school classes myself, and uh, you know, then I wanted to get get the miles in, and then get get the do do the examination and do the practical uh, examination, all the rest of it. So yeah, I, I sort of um, yeah, I I think I I just had 
opportunities and experiences where I thought, yeah, I want to just, I want to just keep doing this, keep sailing. And, um, and then the, uh, there was the day when, when my dad said, oh, you can take the family boat away on your own now. You know, that's, uh, you know, his, his sort of, his the family pride and joy obviously felt, you know, big responsibility it's, there. Yeah. It's big more than a sweetie for spotting the horizon. Ah, isn't it just absolutely I set off. And actually my first trip, I got absolutely hammered by the wind uh, coming off the coast of, of, of the island I went from Port St Mary to Douglas you know not a long passage but got absolutely to use a phrase you know got my backside kicked you know with a strong wind I ended up writing a little article for Yachting Monthly they used to have a maybe they still do have a um, a section called learning curve and it was people reporting their um, you know the things that have um gone well for them or the other things that they've learned along the way and i so i, I wrote a little article for, for learning curve and it got published and um you know that was me sort of holding my hand up saying yeah um i got some things right got a few things wrong and uh, i learned along the way so and that, and that started off a, a process of um or a, a sort of series of cruises um, that I, I i did each uh, easter time um from from the isle of man took the boats uh, and, and used the up and further and further into scotland and then there was one year i was, I was actually tied up in ard fern and there was a knock on the hatch and this will tell you how long ago it was a knock on the hatch and the guy from the marina office came down with a fax and said this has been sent to you and it was a job advert for a, a marine scientist in oban at the Dunstaffinage Marine Laboratory, as it was called then. And the closing date was something like the next day or two days time. And I thought, well, what should I do? So I, I went to the phone box, you know, put the 20p in the phone box and phoned the lab and said, I'm interested, but I'm sitting on a boat in Ardfern. What should I do? And uh, and the guy uh, who I spoke to said, oh, just uh, we'll register your interest get home, send us a CV, we'll send you an application form. Anyway, long story, ended up with a job in Oban, uh, working at the uh, Dunstaffordshire Marine Lab, which is now called the Scottish Association for Marine Science. And that was back in 2000. So that's me 22 years later and going for a career change. So that's um, <laughs> yes. so that, that's, that's the, the wee story about how I ended up going from the Isle of Man and ending up sort of washed up on the shores of Oban working as a marine scientist. It's a really nice link there uh, from your learning curve through sailing uh, and taking that on uh, to actually getting involved in learning and lecturing and your involvement within uh, marine sciences. It's, it's actually a really nice link there. Tell us a bit more about those roles. I mean, you studied in England. You clearly uh, touched on your sailing journey there. Uh, and that literally took you up towards the neck of the woods where Dunstaffnage was. But yeah, what did you study at university to take you in that? Uh, I went through school. And I, I, I thought of all sorts of things that I might want to study. But in the end, I just studied the thing that I enjoyed at the time. And that was chemistry and physics, actually. So quite a, a pure science background that I have. But during my time at school, I read a book called The Endurance by Alfred Lansing about shackletonship. And mm. as a I don't know, 14, 15 year old, I think I, I read it. And I was just stunned by the story, the kind of story which if they wrote it as fiction, it would be unbelievable. So I had this thing about the polar regions in the back of my head um, as I went through the rest of school and, and university. Um, and I got the opportunity to study for a, um, a higher degree down at the Scots Polar Research Institute uh, down in Cambridge. Really, really fascinating uh, place. It's It's half museum. And, and and half research center but they have the log books um so frankie wilde who was the navigator um his log books were there and um you know there's there he is crossing from 
Elephant Island to South Georgia in the James Caird, a tiny wee little boat being lashed by the Southern Ocean. And the precision of his record keeping and his calculations is unbelievable. When you look at the the the, um, the logbook, it's just astonishing um, the precision with which he kept that navigational log. And, and obviously they, they ended up on South Georgia and, and 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 the rest of the story is fairly well known. So I had this 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 thing inside me for the, for the polar regions. Um, I, I was very, very fortunate um, through people I work with who, who shared opportunities with me um, to visit both polar regions, the Arctic and the Antarctic uh, on, on small cruise ships, but also on Skip Novak's Pelagic as well. Um, so I, I did a, a really nice expedition. It wasn't with with Skip Novak. It was um, his, his co-skipper, Hamish Laird. And um, we, we went from we flew into the Antarctic, actually, on, on a little twin otter. And you reach that point of no return halfway across the Drake Passage where you've just got to carry on. And that's that's quite um, an exciting moment. Anyway, we joined the, the Pelagic and we, we sailed around. The, the islands of the Antarctic Peninsula and sail back across the Drake Passage and, you know, sort of that, that landmark of Cape Horn and and uh, Cape Horn Islands and, and finished up in Ushuaia. So, yeah, I had some extraordinary sailing experiences um, and, and, and experiences on the water um, uh, in, in both the polar regions. So when I arrived at the Scottish Association for Marine Science, I naturally gravitated towards polar research. Um, so studying how the polar regions, particularly the Arctic, is where I spent a lot of time, um, how the Arctic is changing. Um, and even in the, in the time I've been in those 20 odd years I've been doing this, I've seen huge changes in the Arctic uh, in terms of the amount of ice um, and, and the melt and the changes in water temperature. So, you know, it's, it's quite an extraordinary uh, change and the rapidity of change um, you know, that you almost can't um, you imagine the Earth is changing at, at timescales much slower than, than than your own human experience, um, but but it's not the case. It's changing very very quickly. And so part of that is is they're teaching and training youngsters, new students about oceanography, um, and and that's something I really enjoyed. Really enjoyed the the, the teaching side. Um, really enjoyed taking students away on expeditions um, to the Arctic. Um, so yeah, it's it's all it's all tied together. It's all about being around the water and. And education, experience, learning. I often think it's a big jump I'm making from from science uh, research to to the RWA um, and RWA Scotland. But actually, it, it's it's there's many similarities, many similarities indeed. So, what are your hopes in becoming the CEO for RWA Scotland? There's a big. Question. What are my hopes? Well, yeah, that what a great question. So, um, I've often thought about making a move from science. But the right kind of job just hasn't come along. And then this one came along and it was everything that I was looking for, really. It was connected with the sea. It was about supporting people and supporting communities. There's a fantastic team already within our way of Scotland and the, and the volunteer team. There was an opportunity to to make a difference, make a tangible difference. And it, it was just people said to me, oh, it's got your name written all over it. And really exciting. It was really exciting to to, to apply for it. Absolutely delighted to have been offered it and, and, to, and to accept it. And when I spoke, you know, during the, during the process, the starting point, Almost for everything I said was the the fantastic strategy that's in place for for Railway Scotland. Um, there's just so much in there. It's ambitious for sure. There's so much in there, um, and I think one of the things and what, one of the things in that I think is about and, and this is something that we do all the time in academia is 
measuring the impact, measuring the difference that we're making. And it's not just about numbers. It's not just about the number of members, number of clubs, number of courses delivered, number of instructors. Um, it's the, the the more qualitative impacts that we have as well. And and telling those stories and getting those strong narratives about the very positive influence that RWA Scotland's and associated partners are, are having on people who just want to get on the water and enjoy being on the water. So, yeah, that's they're all the things that have motivated me, motivated me for this this role. Well, it's the organisation. There's a lot within the people within it. Uh, it's really quite inspiring by how dedicated these kind of individuals are and, mm. and having a, a group of those motivated volunteers who are passionate about um, the activities we get involved with is just very motivating for me personally. Your own involvement and touch points you've had with the RYA in the past and RYA Scotland in the past, mm. you were involved as you've been the Commodore at Oban Sailing Club, is that that's great, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, actually, twice I, I I've done done two periods, and uh, not because I had to, but because I thought the club was just you know it's just a fantastic addition to the to the open community. You know, open needs a vibrant sailing club. You know, it's it's a it's just a, a, a lovely lovely town. Um, busy on the water, um, marinas all around us. You know, everyone wants to be on the water, and you know, so I just. I, I just felt very strongly that the the, the sailing club um, um, sh- should be busy and vibrant, um, and so I wanted to you know sort of chip in and do do my bit there. Me and many others, you know, it's 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 not it's not just about me. There's it, all sorts of people have uh, have put in time and energy and ideas into into the club, um, and you know we've the club has a very strong sort of racing tradition to it. Um, some really nice events. Uh, we we co-host uh, West Highland Yachting Week, of course. And and there's the the round mole race as well, um, which is I think maybe 35 years it's been going, from Oban to Tobermory to Benes and back to Oban over a long weekend. Um, just a that's a tremendous uh, race, and and then lots of you know uh, uh, other other races around the islands and around the rocks and voyage um, around Oban. So it's a very very strong uh, racing tradition. Um, but then. Some people just want to have have a bit of fun, and uh, a group of members came up with this concept of Monday Mayhem, uh, which was basically just getting anybody. It, the focus, I think, was a bit around the kids, but actually, when we looked at the demographic, half of the participants are over eighteen. So we sort of think of it as the kids' event, but actually, it's it's for everybody. So so Monday Mayhem um, uh, came along, and and that provides us with the non-competitive aspect, and it's. It's everything from a good bit of proper sailing on a Monday night to just just going for a swim or going around on sort of rubber blow up flamingos, um, you know, all all sorts of ways to just being on the water. Um, and then we we host other uh, or you know um, support other events, things like the Islands Peaks Race um, uh, starts off in Oban, which is a, a really super event. And we have our own um, local version of that, which is the Wee Peaks Race, and that's dinghies and some local running up some local hills. So that's that's a nice little. Uh, um, local variants of, of that particular race, and then we're, we're a training centre as well, so we deliver lots of uh, training courses to do with dinghies and and power boating and and so on and so forth. So it's uh, yeah, there's a lot going on at Open Sailing Club. So yeah, so everything from blow up pink flamingos to to wasps, really, um, anything goes. <laughs> you know, on the other side of club participation, Open Bay has been at the centre of uh, a larger boaters coming in and out the harbour has been 
affected potentially by wider issues to do with ownership and management of the harbour. Uh, I believe also RY Scotland's had some involvement there. Have you had any involvement in that side of things? Yeah, the the, the various um, uh, groups that are you know, leading on those discussions, you know, they're always uh, you know good to um, uh, connect with the club and you know find out what our needs are. Um, you know, we we've we've modified our sailing area a little bit. Um, you know, we do try and communicate when we have bigger events. You know, we try and minimise uh, the sort of uh, the, any disruption in the bay. There is a bit of a thrill of of racing into and out of the bay, but we recognise we have to share that space with other users. Um, there will be a range of opinions. Of course, one would hope that with a decent level of communication, understanding the two or three times a year that that occurs is is um, a, can be accommodated. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 ongoing at the moment, and um, no, it's I, huge I, potential, huge potential in 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 the town. I've written a couple of articles around it purely on the 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 facts you know about how busy a port is etc and mm. the, um, how we have had a number of volunteers just keeping an eye on that process and planning and etc. Yeah. It, it I'm not quite of... sure what the stat is in terms of the actual vessel movements over some tonnage uh, vessel movements per day it's it, it's sort of like the, the fourth or fifth busiest port in the UK it's 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 yeah. quite extraordinary uh, when you when you put in those terms not necessarily they're not always huge vessels but they are uh, numerous for sure yeah. so it's a yeah, busy patch of water yeah it certainly is and the yeah the rights of navigation and that side of uh, uh, cruising is quite a big part of the RY Scotland voluntary committees and coast watchers and marine planning I think we have about 300 uh, marine plans that get looked over to see how they get affected how it may affect recreational boating so it's certainly quite a big area why have you been the Commodore twice Finlo? Why have I been the Commodore twice? Uh, well, the, the, the first. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, the, the the first one there was a was at the period where we received club support from our way in Scotland, and that's really yeah, that's where I, I had I the first first direct contact. This was with Robin Nickel, and Robin is a is a master at asking the awkward questions. You know, so yes. why do you why do you do it like that? And what would happen if you stopped doing that? And and it just stuns you into silence. You think, oh, I've never thought of it that way, Robin. Um, so, you know, absolute master at asking those sorts of questions. And the, the club really sort of got a lot of confidence from that process. Um, at the time, I was the, the, the vice commodore. The, the, this, there was a succession of, of, you know, from rear to vice to commodore. Um, and at that time, we won club of the year as well. Uh, I think it was back in 2015, right. uh, which is very exciting. And then another other Commodores took over, um, and then there was a, a, a period where it was uncertain who was going to come through next. The club was, had made such great progress, and I had the capacity and the interest to do it that I, I took on a, another period of, of being Commodore. And that coincided with COVID, uh, which of course every club and every organisation, every individual has you know, felt the effects of that. But I think as a sport, we were very lucky in a way. We were one of the, the, the first sports to be able to sort of get back underway. And the, the, the quality of the information and support we were getting from our way Scotland's, you know, f- ultimately from from Sports Scotland, uh, was was very good, and and it helped with the decision making locally. The guidelines were, were were clear, and we could get the boating back up and running. And, and we had a, a bumper season really, um, mm-hmm. because because we 
other things were, were closed off to, to, to folk and they could actually get out in the water and I think really enjoyed doing that doing that um, and there was parallels with other sports as well another sport I'm involved with is orienteering they, they, they were similar because they were an outdoor sport somewhat solitary you know I have I have been lost in forests on my own on many occasions um, so uh, orienteering I think uh, was was also one of those sports where we could sort of start to, to get people active again um, during the COVID period so yeah there's there's some some parallels there with with other sports um but i'm actually quite keen to 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 look at those a bit bit more closely you know there, there are there are similarities probably in the way the performance pathways work as well my my son's in the performance pathway for orienteering and i find myself driving from one end of scotland to the other you know from one remote forest to another uh, for him to to train and and there's you know going to be similarities there with the the performance pathway for for the sailors as well you know sort of parents taking their uh, their kids to the, the regional training squads and then the national uh, training squads and, and you know putting in the hours putting in the miles to, to help those those kids with some some talents you know along that pathway so there's definite uh, parallels there that I want to sort of just explore a little bit and orienteering the Scottish Islands peaked race in the calendar this year so we have some very keen fell runners as part of that uh, I dare say they, they won't lump a sextant to the top of uh, the paths of Jura <laughs> to find themselves the way down. But I mean, it is a, a similar one in terms of a navigational feat as well and keeping exactly. your mind as well as your physicality about it. Yeah. And I've already been studying which way will be the quickest way south through the doors more <laughs> and the like. Um, good bits there. I guess there's a little bit in about sustainability is worth probably touching upon. Well, one of the one of the areas there, uh, you know, that I I touched on during the process of, of taking on the role was within the marine science context. You know, we we are always looking to the future and, and you know what are the 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 um the research areas we need to be taking care of uh, and 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 focusing on, um, and one of those is about extreme climatic events. So the the, the prevalence and the strength and the the frequency of storm events uh sort of coastal inundation things like that and you know maybe just stop and think and you know most of the sailing infrastructure is probably within a meter or two of high water you know it, it's particularly vulnerable but actually scotland's got a very very good competence and 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 you know internationally recognized excellence in um in measuring the the the, the climate impacts uh there are this centers there's the center of climate um impacts in in edinburgh uh for example and you know they there are there are ways in which you can overlay sort of topography and uh, exposure and um, uh, frequency of storms and projections and things like that, and you can start to identify which locations, which regions are potentially more at risk than others. It's not within the gift of our way, Scotland, to sort of uh, reverse the the impacts of climate change, but at least if we're aware of where and and the the likelihood of of impacts occurring then there is something we can do to support and and uh, sort of co-manage uh, th- those impacts i think um so there's there's something we need to sort of you know, sort of take care of there i think um and the other thing which you know i, I i'm kind of uh, curious about is you know, the, the the legacy um legacy waste from sailing as well all these um plastic boats from the you know 60s and 70s and where are they now what happens to them and 
Um, you know, I think we have to be very, very aware of that, um, of, of creating legacy waste for some other generation to have to deal with. It's an ongoing question about what that material, what those materials like GRP and, and, and the like, uh, there's horrible things when you think about the science of it, and also understood the need for us to set a good example, I think, around about the case and hence the green blue, etc. And you probably came across Sarah yes. who, who championed a bit of the green blue initially in 2005 mm -hmm. through British Marine and did a few yeah. things. So there's lots so of Sarah Brown was actually a, uh, a trustee of Scottish Association of Marine Science as well. So there's a connection there. So my wife, it, my wife has done some a huge amount of work on marine invasive species as well. Non-native, so, yeah. Watch yeah. out for that uh, awareness week that comes out each May. Is that uh, right? As yeah, we start yeah. travelling so, boats around the country, so, check so, clean dry. Yeah. So she used to do a, a an annual survey of marinas actually um, throughout Scotland. Um, this is maybe ten years ago. Um, she she did it for about two or three years. Um, I don't know whether it's still continued, but uh, yeah. So I'm. Um, in fact, when we were sailing as a family with the boys, um, you know, she would, we would anchor up somewhere and she would immediately row across to some local bit of infrastructure that was in the water and start searching for marine invasives and get a jam jar and, you know, wasting lots of gin on preserving these beasties and to take them back for some genetic analysis or this, that and the other. And, um yeah That's so uh yeah so the, the boys were our two boys were sort of constantly um uh you know exposed to a bit of marine biology as we were sailing along you know hanging over the edges of pontoons you know scraping seaweed off the off the floats and and, and so on so it was, yeah it was uh it well, was, well, yeah. so yeah it, it's a fascinating one but i'm really glad to have you on board with your knowledge and experience. Citizen science is another one, oh, which big, has that's a, huge. Yeah. a massive uh, beyond beach cleans, as it were, but beach cleans are a massive area where citizen science is brought on. As with you going out on a family holiday and wasting the gin and saving some rare um, sea creature, it's such that, uh, you know, this is all part of a citizen science to add to our view of the world. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Jonah, joint initiative for seabirds um they were always looking for sightings of seabirds round about the place yeah and, and things like yeah hebridean whale and dolphin trust you know they, they they're always yeah. always looking for uh you know records of sightings and um yeah it, it, those little contributions cumulatively um is you know hugely valuable to those organizations thanks so much finlow for uh adding a little bit of background and telling us a little bit more uh, ahead of you joining us. I believe you're, you're going to be starting uh, at the start of May when a lot of our events and activities are taking place. My key thing for the next first sort of few months is to try and get out and about and, and you know, hook up with people like yourself, the rest of the team, the volunteers, the clubs, the instructors, um, go to the various events, you know, see what's, see what's going on and, uh, you know, see what people are, are saying and, um, and how I might be able to um, continue to guide our way Scotland in, in the great stuff they're doing. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you. We head off from Oban on the 19th, I think that is, in May, isn't it, for the Scottish Islands Peach right. Race? Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably be left closing up the bar and doing the washing up, Mark. Oh, well, that's been, uh, yeah, amazing to hear some of those stories and get an introduction to Finlow. I'm certainly looking forward to hearing more about his adventures in the Arctic and things like that when he starts. 
Um, Robin, what did you make of it? Yeah, well, I've known Fem for quite a while. He's, uh, he's a good guy. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about him coming to work with us. Um, his passion, his uh, motivations are, uh, yeah, all there. And, and it came across in the podcast. It was very nice to listen to. It's great to be able to share some of his thoughts and, and getting out around the community. Uh, just getting the news has been really positively received. We've had some great comments about Finmill coming to join us. And uh, so we're genuinely excited about what's coming up. Yeah, it's it's definitely an exciting period. Um, I hear, Robin, you uh, heard your name drop there in it, having worked with Finlay before for asking some awkward questions or being known for doing this. Uh, yeah, I think I think most people know me for asking awkward questions, so that's for definite. But yeah, Finlay and I had long, long conversations about uh, club development. And uh, yeah, I do ask some pretty awkward questions at times, don't I? Well... We really appreciate the awkward questions and equally um, it's fantastic to uh, get our team set for the season ahead. We look forward to hopefully seeing you, all our listeners, in person at some point. We've got some exciting news around about our Impact Awards and we'll be getting out and about and meeting some of those people who have made a real difference to their communities and in their classes. So we're looking forward to uh, seeing you all over the season. Thank you very much and look forward to catching up soon. See you soon. Thanks. Catch you soon.